Is that how a professional actor prepares? <laughs> and I'm ready. Um, girl, do you do you want to tell them or do you want me to tell them? I want to tell them. Okay. <laughs> Take it away, girl. You guys, we tracked down Christopher Walker. Who's Christopher Walker, you might say? (laughs) Christopher Walker is the announcer on ID's Disappeared, who we talk to in our podcast all the time, who we make fun of sometimes, and we always blame him for everything. Ellen tracked him down on Twitter, and she like got him to hang out with us for an interview. You guys, there is a moment in this interview where Ellen goes to answer the door, and she can't hear us, and Christopher starts to narrate it like it's an episode of Disappeared, and I laughed for 40 years. He's so funny. He's so generous. He was so excited to be on the podcast. We were so excited to have him. He was so generous with his time. He told us some really, really great stories and he's just a really cool guy. Yeah, and the the, the interview with Christopher is in your podcast feed right now. So we dropped this episode and that interview today. Go listen to it. It's so amazing. It's so weird to hear his voice doing the announcer thing, like not yeah. in the episode. It's amazing. Yeah, and he's a sweetheart. We're just so grateful to him and we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so also, you guys, as we always say, join the Facebook group, which is... Say it, say it. Okay, the fa- it's Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. I did it, girl. Um. You guys also follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night, we go live at 6 p.m. Eastern. We talk about the case. We talk about some, some stuff. Girl, I was thinking the other day, I get to see more of you now than I have in 20 years. And mostly that's because you insist on undressing in front of me over FaceTime. (laughs) (laughs) I know I really should have rethought that sort of aspect of our relationship before I agreed to do this podcast, but here we are. You guys, episode 13, Royal Secrets, tells the story of Royal Scoop Daniel. The call came from Scoop Daniel's assistant. She described some suspicious circumstances surrounding the fact that she hadn't been able to reach him. There are some people you meet who are impossible to dislike. Even if you found them in bed with your wife, you couldn't get mad at them. When Scoop Daniel, a local lawyer in Bon Vivant, goes missing... Friends and associates can't imagine what's happened to him. The big question out of all this is how he seems to have disappeared into thin air. Nobody vanishes, but somebody can be abducted. Four and a half years go by, and a stunning development puts an end to the mystery. So, you guys, we don't usually do this. Obviously, we know the ending because we have watched the episode, or at least I have. I'm not always convinced Ellen has. Yeah, no, I, um, I just wing it. I just, I'm, I'm a yes and kind of person. I'm like, yes, and she was crazy. Like, you know. Portland is amazing this time of year. We normally will just, like, like go along like we don't know what's going to happen so you guys can follow the story. But we can't do it this time because nope. I'm really mad. I really, really hate this guy, yeah, girl. I am I I'm incensed. You guys, I'm- he disappeared on purpose. He like this guy is total garbage. Yeah, it's just I we, there is no way to mask. Patrick is definitely not a good enough actor and even I'm not that good of an actor to pretend like we don't know how this shit show of a show is what yes, Patrick, he's raising his hand. Do you remember when we both auditioned for the musical theater program at Emerson College and you got in and I didn't, but I went anyway. I know. It's such a cute story. Like I was going to make it, girl. I know. I was going to make it. But listen, who was the front end of the cow? Raise your hand. 
Who was the front Actually, end of the Cow and Gypsy? That was Miss Patricia Hines. No, girl, that's not true. Tracy Sarko was the front end of the cow. I was the ass Oh, you were the ass end. God, I got to remember that. It was right about after that production that I was like, I actually don't think I have a future in this. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. So, girl, we got to start with the, this guy's name. His name, you guys, his actual name is Royal Scoop Daniel. To which I wrote, I do not accept that, no. girl. No, he, someone was like, a little woman was like holding her baby and she's like, let's name him Royal. Like someone signed off on that stupid name. Something else that has to be said, guys, there are so many talking heads in this episode. In my mind, they like put out a Craigslist ad and they're like, anyone want to talk about Scoop? And I, D was like, you know what? Take them all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this whole nightmare starts on Thursday, April 26, 2007, Breckenridge, Colorado. It's 8 a.m., you guys. And it's the day before this guy, Scoop, goes missing. 61-year-old Scoop Daniel is a fixture within town. A popular member of the community, he could not walk down the street without running into a friend. Scoop was the type of person that loved to help people. So you were always happy to see him if you were out and about and ran into him in a pub or at a community event, which he was always at. He was a really genuinely nice person. So we get this laundry list of things about him. We get introduced to somebody who we see a couple times, Dr. Edward Downs. And he's the one who says all these nice things. And then he also says, didn't have six pack abs. He was a little rotund, a little overweight, but he understood people. And I was like, I of course brought it back to me and my true crime documentary when it's made. And I'm like, hey guys, if you could just like steer like away from the insults. And Patrick Patrick goes on. He's like, yeah, she was loud. She was mouthy. She also broke out along her jawline when she had her period. She made inappropriate jokes at the wrong time. She could get emotional. Where was I? I'm sorry, but what? But her ex-husband's really hot. Yeah, she was stubborn. She enjoys fast food probably too much for her age. She's skinny, but she's like skinny fat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. That's going to be you. I also wanted to say, we meet the office manager, Jamie, and there is like a dueling, what was her actual role? Because they say, off, they the lower third is office manager, but everybody calls her his secretary. And if I'm Jamie, and Jamie's got a lot to say in this episode. She's got like a surprising twist at the end. If I'm Jamie, I'm like, I am the goddamn office manager. Yeah. If we could also just do away with the word secretary. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 20 goddamn 20. Just jo- stop. <laughs> Stop with the secretary. <laughs> but do go watch the movie, Secretary. Maggie Gyllenhaal is a revelation. <laughs> a revelation. <laughs> Scoop is a man of habit. He often shows up at the office early in the morning and begins the day with certain rituals. So we learn that he's a man of habit. He comes to the office early every day where he makes oatmeal and coffee every gross, morning. To gross. which I say, to which I say, does he not have a kitchen in his house? Yeah. Can't you do that at home, Royal? Look, the coffee is one thing. It's a great smell. It's one of those things I actually look forward to. It's the smell of coffee in the morning. But oatmeal, girl. And the thing about oatmeal <laughs> is like we see this bowl of oatmeal. And you guys, yes, I know it's a dramatic reenactment. I know we're not seeing actual footage. But we see this bowl of oatmeal eaten oatmeal over and over and over again. <laughs> Wash your bowls. 
Wash it out. If you leave oatmeal in a bowl like that, it's going to stick to the side like cement. You're never going to get that bowl clean, girl. Right. You may as well yeah. just throw it away. And yeah. it looks disgusting. It's like the people who drink the milk when the yeah. cereal has gone out of uh, the bowl. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Sociopaths. Yeah. <laughs> So then office manager Jamie, and office manager, by the way, you guys, not secretary. Time to retire that word, yeah, people. Yeah, thank you. Office manager Jamie tells us, like, our appointments would always run over because he just liked talking with people. And uh, it wasn't just with clients. People would stop in just to say hello, which happened a lot since our office was situated upstairs from a bank. People would come in to do their banking business and pop in to see if Scoop was busy. And uh, we just end up chatting. This sounds like a nightmare to me. Like, yeah, yes, I'm busy. I'm at work. Like, people just dropping into my office to say hello. You guys, can I just, can I work, please? I just wrote, we get it, everyone. He was a stand-up guy. So... It's Thursday night. He leaves work at 6 o'clock, and he and his girlfriend, you guys, get ready. He and his girlfriend go to a fundraiser at a local restaurant. The theme of the fundraiser was the Titanic, and we had a really nice silent auction downstairs, and then we had a nice dinner upstairs, actors being various characters. It was a nice, fun evening. The theme of this (laughs) fundraiser was the Titanic, and I just wrote, Oh my god! And so I, I, I'm imagining dinner theater. I want to see Ellen's resume. This is 2007. I am sure this is on Ellen's resume somewhere. She was at this party. And so they hired actors to play characters from the movie. Do you know who I want to be? No. You don't know who I want to be. Tell me who you want to be. Okay, so at the end, when they're like in the lifeboats, I want to be the guy with the flashlight that goes, "Is anybody alive out there?" <laughs> Is there anyone alive out there? Can anyone hear me? And he just like slowly <laughs> moves. Does anyone remember that part? Is anybody alive out there? I want to be Kathy Bates who plays Molly Brown who goes, I don't understand a one of you. What's the matter with you? It's your men out there. That's our men out there. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I was obsessed with this. It's the thing where we learn there's like a silent auction downstairs and like a, a dinner upstairs where the characters from Titanic are just milling about. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> handle so it. Funny. Like the local community theater actors that they hired to do this. And can you imagine how tragic the costumes must have been? I mean, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> they were like the reboots from when they did My Fair Lady in 1992. And they're like, just throw those on. It'll be great. <laughs> And they're just like walking around going, oh, hubbub, hubbub. Nah. Can you imagine who was like the local singer who sang that Celine Dion song like yeah. to end the evening? Every but like, every night in my dreams I see you, I feel you. Oh, shit. I got, can I start over? That is how I know. I'm just really nervous. No. Cut it. And also, I'm sorry, I just got to say this, too. We He's described as, like, the kind of guy who's just, like, super loose with money. We all know people like this. They, like, they always want to be the one to pick up the tab, and they always want to, like, be throwing money around. This is this guy. That's, like, my dad. Anyway, for another podcast. Um... Yeah. <laughs> oh, you had a dad, Lucky. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be nice to you today and not, not talk about your dad. We both have daddy issues. It's fine. For another podcast. Okay. Scoop is in such a good mood, he spends over $500 throughout the evening. 
In typical scoop fashion, he bid on a bunch of different items, as I recall, and treated his table to uh, this benefit event. So he goes home that night with his girlfriend and then drops her off at like 5.30 in the morning. To which I was like, let her sleep in. Yeah. After he drops his girlfriend off, he goes to work. Arriving at his office around 5.35, unusually early, even for Scoop. When Scoop's staff slowly filters through the door around 8 a.m., the Breckenridge attorney is nowhere to be found. So 8 o'clock rolls around when everyone gets there and Scoop is not there. He misses an appointment, an hour but passes. But like his shit is there. Like right. like that and I'm not joking you guys. I'm not I'm not just trying to make a joke. That bowl of half-eaten oatmeal is sitting on the counter and then the coffee is made, his jacket is there. You guys eventually it's going to be like the next day and that bowl is still there. To which I said, "Jamie, what's even your job, girl? I know you're not the secretary. I know you're not the secretary, but you just let you didn't just wash it for him, girl. You're the office manager. You can't let that shit just sit around." You're not wrong. You're not wrong. When I say you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're not wrong. So then another talking head mixes up a metaphor to which my brother Joe texted me and said, that's a malfor. When someone <laughs> mixes up metaphors. Oh, really? So, Joe, uh, he's so, so cute. The Malfour, he says, well, the fact that he wasn't there and he missed some appointment raised some alarms. <laughs> It's just a malfor. Keep going. No, Keep I going. Raise some red flags. And can I? We don't have time. We don't have time. This is the last episode of the season. We got to go. We have so many talking heads. We have so many talking heads. But like the point is, it was very unlike him to miss appointments. He was never late, Jamie tells us. And so like he's for him to be gone like all day. Everyone is like, oh shit, where is this guy? Well, it wasn't all day. Remember, it was 3 p.m. Yes. So, okay, this is what I love. So guys. You all want to move to Breckenridge, Colorado, because now he got to work at 535, which obviously nobody knows because that was weird for him to get to work that early. At 8 o'clock, no one sees him. At 3 p.m., they call the police. (laughs) (laughs) I would expect nothing less, girl. My God. Which is great. But then at 3 p.m., he's named a missing person. (laughs) To which I'm like, wait, 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 wait. How many times do we have people going and trying to tell their family members they're missing? They're like, no, he's not gone for long enough. Breckenridge, Colorado, honey. They're like, you haven't seen him for an afternoon? Like, write this down. Like, they just go from zero to 60. We got Jamie on the phone. Jamie, the secretary, don't call her that, Bob. She's an office manager. But she's on the phone. She says he's missing. She hasn't seen him in 20 minutes. Like, it's just, I was like, whoa, Breckenridge. I mean, I'm not I saying know. they're wrong, but I know. so many stories we hear, you have to wait 48 hours. You have to wait three days. Not in Breckenridge, honey. You don't come back from lunch break. They are calling the cops on you. I do really like it when you talk, when you like, when you get worked up and you talk to like the public as though you're talking to a group of drag queens. That's my favorite. That's my favorite LA. What did I do? Not in Breckenridge, honey. Nah. <laughs> You basically put the T in hunty. You almost said hunty. You were this close to saying hunty. 
Wait, are you gonna are you gonna introduce my new husband, or am I gonna do it? You mean the cop who's done some local community theater who likes to find his light, who's very comfortable and confident? What was his name? His name was Richard Garland. Great. I'm sure a descendant of Judy's. If I have anything to say about it, the call came from Scoop Daniel's assistant, and she described it as a missing person. Some suspicious circumstances surrounding the fact that he hadn't been in the office and that she hadn't been able to reach him. He is standing in front of his cop car and he is so handsome. He's just like, and he really cares. Like, he's really into it. My note here is we meet police officer Richard Garland, probably a descendant of Judy's, and I would like to leave my family and run away with him. <laughs> I feel I feel like someone at the um, police station was like, you know who you need to interview? You know who loves to talk on camera? <laughs> This guy, and he's like, hi, yes, I played Pippin last year in Pippin at the Breckenridge Community Players. I also played Henry Iggins two years back. That was at a dinner theater that also doubles as the church hall, so you might not have heard about it. And just a few nights ago, I played Jack from Titanic at a fundraising gala. (laughs) Then we get this introduction, you guys. Oh, God. Greg Morrison. A member of the force for more than three decades, he becomes the lead investigator on the case. So Greg, I love this guy. Greg Morrison is the assistant police chief, yeah. the assistant director of this show in my imaginary mind in the uh-huh. ID headquarters, mm-hmm. was like, um, Greg, okay, great. We're, we're going to get you in a lot of different angles. I want you to walk down this hallway. This we're establishing get you from this- walking shot is amazing. And then he's like, uh, can I do it with my walkie-talkie? He's like, yes, <laughs> do it with your walkie-talkie, bro. Ready and action. <laughs> And he just, like, walks down the hall. I know. Just walks down the hall. I'm walking down the hallway right now. It's one of those things where, like, if you guys, if you're ever in a documentary, I want you to know I'm empowering you. You can say no. When somebody says something ridiculous, like, can you stand in front of this American flag and not move while we sweep the camera past you, you can say no. I don't even know if I've ever told you this. When I first moved to New York, I worked for CNBC. And this is the most embarrassing story I've ever told. I was in a very low-level position there. And they were doing a story on Macy's and Macy's asked them to hire models to put on like clothes and do a little fashion show for the piece. They didn't do it. They asked me and an intern to do it. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a picture of me, a model (laughs) I am not. I went and did this. This was on national television. It was pre-recorded. I was sitting in the control room when they were airing the piece. And the director, who I think didn't know I was there, went, as I was, as they were, like, zooming in on my chubby face, the director goes, oh, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name? No I will idea. find him. I will goog the shit out of him. What's his name? I want a name. I don't know. I, I will know. eat him for breakfast. The point is, I knew that I shouldn't be doing it. This guy knew he shouldn't be walking down the hallway. That judge knew that she shouldn't be standing in front of the American flag. You guys, you can say no. You can say no. So they tell us, oh God, okay, that was, wow. All right, we're, guys, we're like halfway through, okay? Take a water break. Pause it and take a water break. Okay. Uh, and this was just so odd in that he had come into his office that morning, had started his day very routinely. He, he made the coffee. Uh, he had his bowl of oatmeal that he has every morning. The empty bowl uh, was on his desk. Just for the love of God, wash the bowl, Jamie. Uh, His dog was there. His car was there. It was just so highly unusual and out of character for him. Morrison is concerned that Scoop may be nearby, but injured. He orders a search of the areas surrounding Scoop's building. 
So they say that they're going to check the blocks surrounding his building. The very next sentence, they say, we started an exhaustive search of the area. So I Googled it. And, yo, Breckenridge is six square miles. Okay? To give you some kind of something to compare it to, Portland, Maine is 69.44 square miles. So even if you made the search go from east to west, from north to south, baby girl, it's only six miles. Listen, it's exhausting. We did an exhaustive search. And then he says, We were documenting every clue, every person that called, every callback number. And I was like, wait, so you wrote down clues too? Right. Wow. You wrote down, he wrote down clues. Clues. <laughs> we wrote down clues. <laughs> Okay. But they're, you know, like, he's not young. Everyone is, people are sort of worried. Like, this is a guy who's a pillar of the community, like, loved his life, would never, like, leave on purpose. So they're thinking, like, what could have happened to him? Like, we learn there's a river really close to his office with, like, a very steep embankment. The river is immediately adjacent to that building. Uh, and in April, you've got the spring runoff going, so the river's starting to run. There's a fairly steep embankment down to the river. And if you were having medical distress, you could easily fall down. And they're saying, like, they're afraid that he's, like, out there in the woods, injured and, like, freezing to death. So then we meet Joe Ben Slaveka, and he's in charge of the search and rescue. He says... This type of search in general is um, an anomaly. Adults tend not to just go missing from their homes or from their place of employment. I mean, this is an anomaly. And I was like, is it? Because I'm pretty sure we're in a nine-season series about people going missing. Are you new to Search and Rescue, sir? He says, people just don't go missing from their homes and employment. I was like, yeah, they do, Joe. We are literally making a podcast about people going missing sir sir i feel it's not an anomaly i feel like behind the camera when he said that they all looked at each other like wait what did he did what did he just say yeah people just don't go missing from their homes and their works it's an anomaly what he said it's an anomaly it's a what anomaly means it doesn't happen very often i mean people just don't go missing I got into the gene pool when the lifeguard wasn't watching. You are out of your mind. Assistant Police Chief Morrison finally receives copies of the security camera footage from Scoop's office building. This is the bank building in which Scoop's office uh, was located up on the second floor. The bank is on the first floor, and it was the camera at the ATM that captured him walking into the building at 535 in the morning. But when Morrison scrolls through the tape, he finds something highly unusual. The video never shows Scoop leaving the building. They go through the entire day of surveillance footage. There's no video of him leaving. And you guys, we never get an answer on this. We never get an answer on this. That That shit makes me crazy. How did he get out? No, that is crazy. So then we we go back to Greg, the assistant chief. And he's in his car now. 
He was yeah. like, I'm going to go for a drive. You want to shoot some of this in my car? Yeah? Great. It'll be great. Just like change the scenery. I've always wanted to see all six square miles of Breckenridge. Sure, let's go. <laughs> like, you say a full six square miles, huh? That sounding exhausting to ex- search. <laughs> I hope I never have to search that. That sounds really tiring. Uh, you guys must be exhausted. <laughs> so the whole point of this ride along with Greg is that Greg tells us while we're in the car with him that there actually was a witness who saw Scoop that morning at 7.30 a.m. It was a, a, a radio DJ who works in the same building. And we meet the guy and... The thing about radio DJs is that they never look like the young, hip, cool kids you think they're going to look like. Like, this guy's like 50. He looks like, in my mind, he looks like, you know when the villain in Scooby-Doo put on, like, a bad wig and glasses and a yes, fake beard? Totally, yeah. But it's actually really him. Yeah. He's not in disguise. He wasn't like, did you guys, like, change my look a little bit so, like, no one recognizes me? Because I'm, like, a pretty big DJ in Breckenridge, and I don't want people to, like, know who I am. Nope, that's just him. And you know what? We're assholes because he's just here to be nice. He totally. doesn't have to sit down for this interview. But when I was watching it, I was like, oh, he did it. Oh, no. Right. no. Like, that's just, that was before I knew what actually happened to him. So they get the cell phone records and they find out so he sees this this DJ in the break room at 7.30. At 7.48, Scoop, is that his name? Scoop. <laughs> yeah. Scoop. This guy's so dumb. This guy, Scoop, makes a phone call to 911 at 7.48 a.m. And we find out, like, they do all the pinging and all the, the mapping and all that, and they find out that the call was made within close proximity to the office building. So they know at 7.48, this guy's calling 911 nearby his office building. <sighs> 911, what is your emergency? When they answered in the comm center, there was about nine seconds of silence. So it is very like, what the fuck? Was he like in somebody's trunk and trying to be quiet? Or like, what happened? It just And then it just got cut off. Right. When I first heard it, I thought maybe like there was someone with a gun and he like had his phone down in his hand and like couldn't get it up to his... I made a whole three-act yeah, play in my mind. It's true. Nope. That's not what and happened. like... And we learn that, like, people in town are a wreck. You guys remember, he, like, he hasn't been seen since the morning. It's, like, 7.30 at night, and everyone in Breckenridge, all six square miles, are freaking the fuck out. People are in tears. They're walking around, like, they're just crazy. And JB, his law partner, says, The consensus in the community was definitely that Scoop had been abducted and a victim of a crime of some kind, a violent crime. There was, I think, a nerve-wracking moment with everybody that somebody had come into our community from I-70 or wandering through and had abducted him at gunpoint. To which I said, JP has kind of an active imagination, no? Yes, she does. So we we go back to the Titanic fundraiser. Remember that happened the other night? And yeah. he was like, he was the big spender and he spent $500 and blah, 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 blah. We get the lady who ran the fundraiser again and she's here to say that like, I came in the next morning, the day after the fundraiser, and there was actually a message from Scoop on my phone. And this is the day that Scoop goes missing. He had called at like five in the morning and said like, hey, here's my credit card. I, I realized I forgot to pay for my tape. Table last night, garbage. You know, he was hammered and had to be dragged out to the car by the poor girlfriend. <laughs> so he leaves his credit card.
card number and I tried to use it, but it didn't go through. So not only was this guy like big spender, this just really made me so mad. Because like I think about the fact that like I worked in restaurants forever. When like something like this happens, none of the waiters get their tips. The restaurant loses the money on all that fucking food that he bought. The the charity loses out because all that money he spent on the silent auction, now they're not gonna get. Nobody else bought the stuff. Like it's so garbagey. This is where the fundraiser, she just realizes that she's at a loss now for over five hundred dollars and to my face she looks at me and she's like and the fact that his bank account didn't go through made me think that well maybe somebody had forced him to take the money out of it and that's why it didn't go through my thought was he was abducted i just assumed that he was abducted and forced to empty his bank account to which i was like I girl could you do a little bit of critical thinking here yeah, just, could, just a little bit of we critical just thinking connect a couple of those dots right. <laughs> And so, you guys, it's two days after he's missing. They call the sheriff's office. Two other local police departments come and help. The local FBI and the Federal Bureau of Investigation come. You guys, it's one missing rich white guy. There's 90 people looking for him. 90. After, like, five hours. I know. Oh, my God. So, breaking news, you guys. We find out, and I, I... Honestly, did a gay gasp. A real, true, honest gay gasp. We find out, because the cops find out, that before he moved to Breckenridge, he lived in D.C. where he was married and had eight children. This guy had eight kids. And it is news to everybody. And a lot of people here didn't even know he had children and that he had severed the relationship with his children very suddenly. By Monday, I had interviewed his ex-wife and got a lot of information about what their life was like back there and, and the circumstances under which he moved here. With such a revelation, Morrison wonders what else he doesn't know about Scoop. So they've they've interviewed everybody in his life. And when they when they find out about like the wife and the eight kids, they go back and they re-interview everybody again, including the girlfriend. And the girlfriend's like, oh God, I'm glad you're back. I've got so much more to tell you. Oh, right. Like, we find out that like the morning he went missing, remember like they went to the thing, they went to bed at two in the morning, then he drops her off at 5 30 a.m. Like he's not letting her just sleep in at his place. When she when he dropped her off, he gave her a key to his apartment. He gave her a key to his apartment, which struck her as unusual. In the- they had been dating about five months and he had never ever locked his apartment before and he never used a key and he also gave her two items he gave her his favorite running suit and also his heavy winter snow boots and he told her that he probably wouldn't be needing those for a while girl can i ask you a question what what's a running suit isn't it just shorts and a t-shirt no like a track suit patrick like a track <laughs> suit i guess i don't know a running suit? What's a running suit? He also gave her his favorite yes. winter snow boots. I have one pair of winter snow boots. I hate them. They're gross. They're heavy. I hate the snow. I hate the rain. What? Same. Global warming can't heat this shit up fast enough. So, <laughs> and we are going to learn that this guy who is, we know, like we know because we've told you, is going to go missing on purpose, is really bad at going missing on purpose. Like he's basically telling everybody what's happening. I'm not going to need these anymore because I'm going to go missing in a minute. So once they do that, they they honestly say to us that Jamie, the office manager, not the secretary, which is what it says on that gold plate on her desk. It literally says Jamie, office manager, not secretary. 
Um, I sent it to her. They were like, I feel like she knows more than she's saying too. And they bring her downtown and she literally is like, oh God, I thought you'd never ask. Okay, here's here's the thing. Here's some weird stuff. Here's some weird stuff. One of Morrison's detectives interviews Scoop's secretary a number of times. Christopher, her title is office manager, girl. How many times do we have to say it? The morning Scoop disappeared, she remembers encountering something odd. She had arrived and found her paycheck sitting on her desk. It doesn't seem characteristic that if you were the victim of foul play, if someone were holding a gun on you or were in the middle of kidnapping or robbing, they, you would say, hold up a second, I need to write my paychecks out to my to my secretary. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense. Okay, this guy's a total dick, abandoned his family. Like, the kids aren't getting any child support, but his office manager, not secretary, is definitely getting her paycheck, which I support. But, like, again, bad at going missing, girl. Because what we know about you, girl, is that you, you're you like me. You don't even know where the checks are. But the point is, she's saying, like, it was super weird. My check was on my desk when I got there, and he hates doing that stuff. In fact, Scoop hated billing and rarely did it unless forced. It's a piece of information that speaks volumes to investigators. So the cops are now like, yeah, no, he left on purpose, you guys. They get 29 search warrants for his home, his business, his cell phone, his computer, his credit cards. Uh, and this is where they go back to the office and they see that they like there's like freshly shredded documents. I feel like that paper is still warm. It's still warm. <laughs> the paperwork Scoop was attempting to destroy reveals a new and very unattractive picture of the popular attorney. There was a letter in there about him being behind in his child support payments. It started to paint a little bit of a picture that there might be some financial difficulties. It seems as though the man, often eager to pick up the tab, did not have the means to support his lifestyle. It was the most incriminating pieces yeah. of evidence saying that essentially he owed all of his clients hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and they say, like, the girlfriend, again, is like, oh, one more thing. He was totally broke, you guys. They hire, again, because they cannot get enough people working on the case of the missing rich white guy, they hire forensic accountants to go through his bank records. You guys, this is in addition to the FBI, the local FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the cops of his town, cops from two other towns, and that search and rescue, you guys, there's 9,000 people working on it. There's more people working to find him than and there are residing in the city of Breckenridge, Colorado. <laughs> and then they get a call from a tipster who's like, hey, you know that missing white guy literally everybody's looking for? Here's the story. As an individual called us, and what that individual told us was that in a real estate transfer, a 1031 exchange, that this individual had given Scoop about a quarter million dollars to hold up to six months before he reinvested it in, in some other real estate. He changed his mind after a short time and asked Scoop for the money back. And after a little bit of a runaround, Scoop finally admitted that he had spent the client's money. He's like, yeah, girl, I spent that, girl, though. It's gone. I had to buy a lot of shit at that silent auction at that Titanic thing we went to the other night. But, like, that takes some effort to spend a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, if you're not buying boats and cars and property. I know. I mean, it's probably like that pyramid scheme thing where it's like, I don't even know what kind of lawyer this guy was, but it was like, he was probably like, he probably owed so much money that when he got the $250,000, it just went right back out. Right. It it had And still couldn't pay the $500 for the goddamn table at the benefit. That makes me so mad. Those waiters didn't get tipped. And three of the actors didn't get paid. It's ridiculous. (laughs) We also find out, you guys, he had 20 bank accounts. 
accounts. Now, listen, I have like three or four emails to get like my Amazon Prime for as free as long as I can. <laughs> like, I'm all you di- still have that Yahoo account from like before college. It's 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 really disgraceful, girl. You got to change that. <laughs> so of all the things that are important today in 2020, what's happening in the world, my Yahoo account is what's really chapping your hide. It's really embarrassing. I got a couple emails. You know, I'm getting those promo codes more than once, but 20 <laughs> I know. bank accounts. And the y'all. super hot FBI guy is like, yeah, girl, that's when we knew that he was up to some shit. Like, you definitely don't need that. You guys, the cops raid his house. They just, they're like, hey, I, we're calling off the search. Like, write it in the sky <laughs> to get these 7,000 people to stop searching. Authorities finally uncover why they believe Scoop Daniel disappeared from Breckenridge on April 27th, 2007. Pretty soon we realized, wow, we we have a very substantial amount of money missing as well as Scoop. The community was shocked. I know. These poor people. Are you sure they were shocked? Because Billy Smolinski wasn't. No, this time he's shocked. So we're keeping shocked. Yeah, no, they were seriously shocked because they didn't they didn't think it was going to go that way. Okay, I just feel like we overuse the word shocked. Is there is there a synonym? No, just just keep shocked. Let's go. Come on. And at that point, people almost instantly changed from being very worried and concerned about this friend of theirs to feeling like we have just been duped by somebody that we thought was our friend. So the DA steps in and they they comb through everything and they're like, you know, we can determine that he's stolen money from at least seven of his clients. He's now a wanted man. He went from being like a missing person to a wanted person. And he's charged with felony theft, which which like he could serve 16 years for it if they ever find him. And commercial bribery, which I'm like, I want more information on that, please. Yeah. No, I, commercial I that- bribery. That's my drag name. <laughs> You've been waiting. You've been waiting. You're so cute. It made its OWD debut. <laughs> so fast forward, guys. 4.5. I wrote 4.5 too. It's because when you're taking notes, who's going to write out and a half? Please. <laughs> Please. I don't have time. I'm not made of time. I'm in a goddamn hurry to find Scoop goddamn Daniels. Oh, I am. I am really. I'm rageful. I Sometimes am rageful. your daddy Warbucks comes out and it's great. <laughs> daddy Warbucks. I can't wait for that gender bending Annie when it's just like Andrew and I can be Mrs. Warbucks. Fast forward four and a half years to December 7th, 2011. Scoop decides, you know what? Time to go home. On December 7th, 2011, a white haired man crossing the U.S.-Mexico border presents his passport. He is immediately detained. There is a warrant for his arrest. It's 66-year-old Royal Scoop Daniel, missing from Breckenridge, Colorado, since April 2007. They detain and arrest him on the spot. Boom. That's it. Idiot. So he he's, he gets sent to jail, and he sits down with a local reporter. Once again, you guys, future felons, you can say no. When you come back, when you walk back over the Mexican border after being missing for 4.5 years, I stand by it. Don't do the interview, because you're not going to look, nothing's going to look good. You're yeah. going to look like an idiot. And this guy, he's doing an interview from the other side of, like, the glass. Glass. Yeah. <laughs> 
And he's crying, and I don't care. No. Like he's so. Go ahead, tell the people what he says. He says he was overwhelmed by work pressure, and he didn't know that day that he was actually going to leave. I really didn't know when I left the office to walk downstairs exactly what I was going to do, and I kind of decided that I might just you know, drive off a cliff or something. And, and that's when I called 911, and then I, I said to myself that uh, that was silly because 911 probably wouldn't be able to help me, so I just tossed the cell phone into the dumpster. To which I say, do you know what I say, Patrick? What, girl? Hogwash! <laughs> he says he walked out of his office, to which I say, no, you didn't, girl. Yeah. You weren't on the surveillance video. Yep. You snuck out. Yep. Somehow you got out. You knew where the cameras were, and you avoided them. Don't you tell me that you walked out of your office. I know that you didn't. That was the that was the detail I was waiting for. Like, how did he get out? I still want to know. You knew what you were doing. He says he gets in his car. I was going to maybe drive off a cliff. No, you weren't, girl. No, you weren't. And then we learn that he took a bus to Mexico, where he lived off the grid for four years, and and he says he has no idea that anybody was looking for him. That is such a lie. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you like not only did you like like totally pull the wool over the eyes of this town. That that poor restaurant never got its money. Neither did the waiters. Neither did that charity. You walked out on your eight children. Like what kind of monster? Sociopath. A sociopath. No, you know, emotionless. No regard. You know, thinking they're above the law. Thinking they're above rules. Thinking the rules don't apply to them. And then. Yeah. The narcissism coming where they don't see the fault in what they did. So I did a little bit of research. And this is what he says, you guys. He says, this is a quote. I don't know how to be more remorseful. I didn't think of myself as a thief. Like, (laughs) he said that. And I mean... Is he still in jail? So he was sentenced in 2011 to 12 years. So he is still serving a sentence. It was originally 16. It was was made 12 on some kind of plea deal. So he's still in jail. And I think the sign that really points to the sociopathic and narcissistic tendencies lies in the lack of remorse. Girl, your level of knowledge of sociopaths and narcissism is, to borrow a phrase from a dear friend, vast. Any particular reason you'd like to share? Done, 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 done. is edited by Henry Lavoie. <laughs> oh my God, you guys, we finished season oh, one. God. Girl, we finished season one. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna re-up my contract before we come back for Great. season two. Uh, just Great. have Steve call me. Because I honestly, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I'm out of it. I'm out of Xanax. Honestly, it's they were like, ma'am, we cannot refill your prescription again. Ellen, go home. <laughs> um, And you guys don't forget, go to your podcast feed right now and listen to our episode with Christopher Walker, the narrator announcer, who's just like the best sport ever. You got to hear that moment where Ellen goes to answer the door and he narrates it like a like a like a scene from Disappeared. It's amazing. Send him all your Internet love because he is so awesome. I literally, I, I want to do the podcast with him. I know. <laughs> 
you guys also join our Facebook group. I can't remember it again, girl. You tell them what no, it is. I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You figure it out. You're you're going to die on that hill alone, okay? All right, wait. It's Obsessed with Disappear podcast discussion group. Uh, it's fine. You can go. I'll great. finish the I'll finish the credits. Great, great. Also, follow us on Instagram, you guys. The Disappeared Pod. We go live every Friday night at 6 o'clock to talk about the case, make fun of each other, be silly and ridiculous. Um, It's super fun. I'm having so much fun doing that. I'm having so much fun. I almost forgot we were in quarantine. This all seems so normal now. I feel I like know, this is just life. <laughs> like, I just moved from one room to the other with all my electronics. Like, I right. just go from the my room to the living room to the get to the kitchen. It's just moving the electronics around. 6 p.m. Fridays, we have so much fun. We're edited by Henry Lavoie. You can find all the episodes of uh, Disappeared on ID Go. The first season is available for free. Girl, I love you. I love you. Season one out. Season one out. Oh, my God. We did it. (laughs) All right, you guys. Bye. Bye. I want to get Christopher to say a bunch of, like, really horrible things. But turns out he was a dump truck of flaming shit maggots. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just get him to say a bunch of, like, really? Totally. (laughs) Turns out he was a <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> Christopher was with us until that. He was like, he, he this guy, Christopher's got a great sense of humor and he thinks it's all really funny. And then that happened and he went, oh, that's a, that's a step too far. I'm not giving you a medal. It's not hard. <laughs> like you didn't crack a code. You literally just said the title of our show and then ended with discussion group. That's all you did. Am I allowed to talk about how hot your ex-husband is? Yes or no? Yes or no? It's not my favorite topic to discuss, Patrick. Okay? (laughs) He was also uh, Mama Rose's dad, and he had a big line that said, are you ready for it? You ain't getting 88 cents out of me, Rose. Then I'll get it someplace else. I know, I know. This this needs to be a two-parter. I'm sorry. This is going to be a two-part episode. (laughs) Just all the facts and then all our bullshit after. I know. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been in a hailstorm. That shit is biblical. It's so (laughs) (laughs) That shit is goddamn biblical. 